to this guy, lovely guy, loves Jesus. But in his context and the way that he grew up, he never grew up with an honoring culture amongst him and around him. That when there's an elderly person, for instance, come, or a lady coming in and you're a male, they're like, hey, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll get up. Why don't you come and sit down? And so Jesus teaches us this thing that, guys, the, the instinct of the natural man is to go to and get the best for himself. So like there's, there's five pieces of cake. Which one is the biggest one? Uh-huh. And we're like, go for that immediately. And those of you that are on diet, you're just so incredibly humbly, humble and holy. You're like, I want the smallest speech. And it's not because of character. It's because of, you know, I want to lose some weight. <laughs> it's all good that you do that. The point is that we often, we prefer the best and the biggest and the place of highest honor because that's our natural instinct. And so we kind of fight for them. Jesus is, guys, guys, step back. I want to say to you, when it comes to honor, you cannot give what you don't have. If you don't know what honor you've received, you're not able to give honor to those that should receive from you. And what I'm trying to say is this, is that in that 1 Peter 2, verse 9 to 10, if you want to turn there, Peter's talking about this, of who you and I are, and, and Clive earlier alluded to the fact that God says that, you know, you're important enough that I send my son to die for you. I value you. Jesus says, if you, if you value me, the Father will value you and honor you. But listen to what he, Peter writes here in 1 Peter. He says in verse 9, but you are a chosen race. By the way, no matter what race you are, my human race does not determine my value. Do you hear that? My natural race here on earth does not determine my value and my honor. What Jesus says about me, that I am a chosen race. I have been chosen to serve him. That's where my value is found. And what we find here on earth is people fight their, inst their, their, their significance around what they have here on earth and what they made to look like and what language they can speak and where they brought up and, and which country they live in and, and what they own and all the material wealth they have. Jesus says your value is not found in that. Your value is found in what I say about you, that you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So that's where our value is found. And unless we find it there, we cannot value another person. Before, if I feel dishonored and undervalued as an individual, how can I value you? Because out of my insecurity, I try to put value on you. I, I can't do that. And so Jesus is clearly saying to us, don't try to find significance and honor in where you're seated and where you've grown up in and what you have and what you don't have and what your name is and what your race is. Find your value in me. And therefore, each one of us can honor others. And I dare to say this morning that we battle to honor people because we've not fully received the honor from heaven. You don't understand. May I suggest if you battle to honor others, it's may, it may be because you've been dishonored by people, but you've not fully understood the honor that comes from heaven when he says, you're royalty. 
your royalty. It doesn't make me better than anybody else. But God says this about me, that you are mine. You're my treasured possession. You belong to me. There's no greater identity that can be found in that. And that is honor from heaven. And if you've received honor, my friend, Jesus says, freely you've, been, you've received. Freely you've got to give. This honor from heaven that you and I freely have received has not come at, at, at any cost to ourselves. We've not paid for it. We've not earned it. And we will never be able to earn it. Therefore, freely you've received honor. Therefore, go and freely give. It makes it so much easier to give honor to those that, according to our minds, don't deserve that. And we do live in a world that we can justify. They don't deserve my honor. I never deserved his honor either. But I've received it through what Jesus did on the cross for me. And so now freely I've received and freely I ought to give. You value another person from the value you and I receive from Christ. So if you battle to value another person, please go to Scripture and determine the value that you receive from him, would you? Because here it comes. I've got nine different scenarios where you and I have to honor, and we're going to go through them. So who should we honor? First of all, we should honor the most important person in our lives, and his name is God. That's where honor starts. And, and again, if we, if we look at what it means in, in Revelations 4, verse 11, it's this beautiful portion of Scripture that I want to read to you. And please check on your neighbor and do an honorable thing and wake them up if they are asleep. And if they're far from you, shout or something, but do something to make sure that they're with you. If you can't see their eyes, just pull their mask down a little bit. Revelation 4, 11, it says, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Worthy is what is being sung in heaven. Say, Lord God, you, you deserve all glory, and you deserve all honor. And the Greek word here for honor is the word teme, is to fix a price or a value to something. See, we can bring honor to God when we understand His value, but when He's limited in your mind and who God is, and then there's little honor that can go to Him. Come on. If Think of the thing that you don't want to lose, and that's your phone, most of you. Hmm? You put a high price to that, isn't it? Just check if you've got your phone with you. I had somebody visit me the other day, and I snatched her phone a little bit, and I was just hiding it. And uh, I thought I'm going to get away with it until it started ringing. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> Point is, is that eventually when we, we're like, I do, I, I do that, I do that, come on. Where did I put the phone? Samin, do you know where my phone is? It's like, oh, where's it? Let's just ring it. Oh, and now I got it on silent, and now I can't find it. And, and we go like, oh, I don't know where the phone is. Anyone identify with that? Uh -huh. Some of you? Uh -huh. 
We put a high value to a thing, and when we can't find it, we try to find it. And we go and make huge effort to find it because it is of value to us. Now, God is not lost. Praise the Lord. Amen? <laughs> we don't have to go look for Him. But when we find a value in Him, we want to attribute all of our time, all of our energy for Him and say, God, You are precious to me. No matter what you ask of me, I honor you through my obedience. And so, guess what this morning? Just a quick little side note. Your honor of God is determined by your level of obedience to Him. So, Jesus says to you, forgive. God says to you, give. We have done the offering, so relax. And like, oh, I'll determine what I do. Your honor of God is determined by your obedience to Him. So first of all, this is where honor starts, as we honor God. And none of the rest that follow would be possible unless we start here. Because it's in honoring God that I say, the next level that I need to go to, which is I need to honor my parents, is possible because I've settled who is honored most in my life, and that's God. And because I'm honoring God, God says to me, oh yeah, by the way, Exodus 20 verse 12, you need to go through the, the, the clear commandments that it gives us in Exodus, the Ten Commandments. And then once we've done the first four, which is all about worshiping God and not having other idols in front of us, then we get to the next one, the next one that is about earthly relationships. Now we've done the first four, Exodus 20, is heaven relationship, God, and what we ought to give to Him. The next one is not marriage, is not your boss, it's not anything else, but it's what you and I all have, and that's a parent. And some of us may have grown up without the knowledge of our of our physical parents who may have been adopted and have been raised by somebody else, but somewhere in our life there's somebody that is recognized as our parent. And I don't know that there's dysfunctional situations where it's kind of like impossible to consider doing this, but the Bible says, and by the way, yeah, it's a beautiful word. The Hebrew word is kabat, which really means to be heavy or to give weight. An actual fact that says, or to give significance to someone. So when I honor my parents, I give significance to them. Whether they deserve it or not, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say when they've when they done well, you honor them. And by the way, in all the things that we will look at, it's not about what they have done or not done. It's about what God expects and we should do. And so in other words, we give honor in a serious, is a serious issue for God, a weighty matter. We give honor to someone because God highly values them and their role and position, not because they deserve it. So God says parenting is a, highly, is a weighty matter. And so for us as children, all of us are children, and, and some of us perhaps have even had our parents that passed away already. But we carry something in our hearts still today, perhaps of a dishonor or an honor. And if we build community, it starts here. By the way, we honor our parents.
of all the responsibilities we have towards our fellow men, it all starts with honoring our parents. It's formed the basis of all social relationships and is the foundation for a decent human society. You take that one away, the rest all will battle. And there's rest to come. I'm telling you this. None of us will... Not all of us, perhaps, will one day marry, and, uh, and I'm sure that everyone wants to marry, but not all of us will, will marry and, and stay married necessarily. But, but all of us have parents, and, 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 and all of us, as I said, are children. And God instructs us to, to honor them. Whether they've rejected us, disowned us, been extremely dysfunctional in how they loved us or didn't love us, God says, I want you to honor them. And perhaps out of honoring comes forgiveness. Say, God, I forgive. They didn't know any better. I forgive them. We are commanded to honor, not for what they did or who they are, but regardless of that. We hasten on, and we can spend a lot of time on each of these, but the next one is we've got to honor spouses. And, and we see a beautiful thing here. That for both husbands and wives, there's something. So it's not just the one, but in 1 Peter verses, or chapter 3, verse 7, um, there's a beautiful portion that you can read actually from, from verse 1 to 7. It's talking about this beautiful thing about wives and husbands. And then it says in verse 7, likewise husbands. Likewise means that just what I told wives, you also also consider. But likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to the women as a weaker vessel, since they are heir with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And so we're not saying that women are less valued and less important by what Peter writes here about being the weaker vessel. I think what we read in commentaries, and Peter's actually just saying, listen, often they're just physically weaker. So consider that and live with them in an understanding way. But the point that he's trying to make is you need to honor them. You need to put a high price on them, not to sell them. Ha! I once, we once had a friend that, from Pretoria. They traveled into one Arab country, and, and, and she's a beautiful woman. And she got there, and this Arab man approached uh, um, the husband and said, Listen, can we talk about a price here? He's like interested to buying the wife. He's like, yeah, 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 let's talk. No, he wasn't saying that. The point is, is that the value that we put to our wives should be a value that reflects how much we honor God because we are honored by Him. And so when I look at my wife, for those of you who are married, and by the way, for you young people that aren't married, these are valuable instructions to consider even if you're 12, 15, or whatever it is, or 25 and not married, please take hold of these things and not just let it go over your head and say, it's not important to me. It is important to you. You've got to hold on, hold on to these things and hear them. So they need to be valued. Value them considering who God has made them to be. Then it says about wives, and just before your wives thought you are off the hook, let's go to Ephesians and just read what, what Paul writes here in, in chapter 5 and, and verse 33. It says, 
However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, talking to the husband still, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. By the way, respect for the husband comes out of the husband loving his wife. Respect is earned in this context. So wives, respect your husbands. Value them. Consider them important. So honor. Be your spouse's biggest fan. Don't let anybody else be out there be their biggest fan. But you encourage. You come and speak and, 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 and show the affection and affirmation needs to come from us as husbands and of wives. And by the way, one of the most beautiful things that you can offer your children is not a bursary or an educational um, support or a car or the best clothes, the best thing that you can offer, one of the best things that you can offer them is a healthy marriage. Healthy marriages produces healthy marriages. And if you've been exposed to perhaps an unhealthy one as a child, God can redeem that through Jesus Christ and help you to change that into something beautiful can start in your own marriage. So that the way that we, we, we value one another is important and honor. The fourth area that we should honor is the honor of marriage. Now, we've just spoken about husbands honoring wives. We, we've spoken about wives honoring husbands. But in Hebrews chapter 13, we see how the author here gives us clear instruction that, that marriage as an entity, and I dare say again, this is something that is not being celebrated and honored amongst us in our world today. Hebrews chapter 13, and um, we read from verse 4. By the way, let me read from verse 1. It says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained ang angels um, unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Then it says, out of all of that, it says, let marriage be held in honor among all. Let marriage be held in honor among all. So marriage ought to be seen as an honorable thing. Marriage should not be despised. And, and you know the sad thing is that people say, well, at least the divorce rate is, is dropping. It's dropping because fewer people are marrying. Makes sense, doesn't it? And one of the things that they said of South Africa just the other day is that South Africa is the country with the highest, one of the highest divorce rates in the world. Oh, that's alarming. You know why? South Africa is the country in the world that, that couples marry. They at least marry. They shouldn't get divorced, but they, they, they still marry. They don't just, oh, let's do this cohabitation thing. Let's just cohabit and just work kind of our way towards living together. There's still some sort of an honorable thing about marriage is an honorable thing. We've got to pursue that. We fall in love with each other. We don't just fall into bed with each other. Come on. Because out of that, the writer says here that as much as we honor marriage, we've got to get the marriage bed undefiled for God. So because we don't honor marriage, we don't honor God's law that says sexual promiscuity should not be mentioned amongst you, should not be the way that you live, that 
well, I could care less how people think I should do things. No, it's not what people say. It's what God says. And if we honor God, point number one, then God determines how I live. And my obedience comes from my, my honoring of God. So when it comes to marriage, I talk as an unmarried or a divorced person or a previously unsatisfied in marriage person, I talk honorably about marriage. We don't go around and say, ah, oh, this marriage thing is rubbish because of your own disappointment with all due respect. The Word of God says we've got to honor it. And so we want to help our young people towards a godly lifestyle. We help them by the way we talk about marriage and about your own possibly even. If you're unsatisfied and, and discontent and, and it's just not great, the way that you talk about your marriage and about your, your, your spouse will determine the condition of your marriage, by the way, and it will also determine the, the understanding that others have about marriage. We sit with people that are battling through marriage, and you come and you just sow horrible seed into their, bat in their struggle. Oh, I don't know if it's worth it. Man. You have young people that want to seriously serve God and, and honor Him in all things, and we come and, and all the people that have gone through marriage and are married and have been disappointed, we tell them that it's not worth it. What are they going to do? They're not going to necessarily pursue marriage because they hear the disappointment from us. So we have to honor marriage as a godly institution and say, let's celebrate it. Let's help our young people through their battles and through their sexual struggles and help them see that they're just falling into the trap of the world to say, well, let's just have sex and not care about the rest. God says marriage is a beautiful thing and the marriage bed should be undefiled through the absence of, of adultery and through the absence of fornication, which is sex before marriage. We need to honor that. And I plead with all of us, let's talk highly, honorably about marriage, whether you're married or unmarried, disappointed, divorced, I don't know. But let's let the Lord determine and the values of the Bible determine what value we put to marriage and not our own experience. Is that okay? A lot of things to honor, hey? The next thing we've got to talk about is that we've got to honor our children. We've got to honor our children. And it's easy just to say that the children should honor us. But here we find, again, Paul speaking in Ephesians 6 verse 4, he says, listen, fathers, you should not provoke your children. You should not cause them to actually fall into the trap of sin by the way that you treat them. You should honor them. It means to value them, to put a high value on our children, and then we will not provoke them to anger. Now, we cannot guarantee that they will never get angry. Uh-huh. But we have to understand that God puts a high value on them, and therefore we will do the same. Make it easy for them. We just read earlier on that we need to honor our parents, and you would expect that from your children, isn't it, if you have children? You would want them to honor you. But you know what? Where it starts, it starts how much value you put on them, and not how many valuable things you give them. But how much you value them. There's a clear distinction here. A clear distinction. We do not value them to the point where we want to make sure that they 
perform well in their sports and their and the academics and they have the best place to stay and the best that to wear and the best possible car eventually to drive and the best place of the best school to go to and the best varsity eventually or the best job and you value them for who they are don't just try to give them valuable things and if you can praise the lord but don't let that be the main emphasis and by the way can i say this categorically the most valuable thing that you can give your children why don't you just listen, drum roll, is the gospel, is the gospel, that free, good news of Jesus coming to die for our sins. And unfortunately, we live in a world where we actually become dishonorable towards our kids by not giving them the gospel and not helping them see how much Jesus loves them. And I'm not talking about hour of devotion every day with your kids. I'm talking about a lifestyle. Listen to what a guy called C.J. Mahaney says. He says, effective teaching involves explaining to our children what they're already observing in our lives by example. We'll give you the notes. That's why Deuteronomy in chapter 6, it says, You've got to teach your children these things. You've got to write them on tablet. You've got to put them on your doorpost. You've got to let them see who God is by your lifestyle. You've got to teach them the good news. You've got to teach them about the gospel. And so the most important thing we give them, we honor them by the lifestyle based in front of them that is based on the word of God and not firstly what we have, our families, our culture, etc. What that determines. We give them the gospel. The sixth thing that we've got to honor is the elderly. We've got to honor the elderly. And so Leviticus 19, I've got to read this to you. It's such a beautiful portion of Scripture. And together that there's a verse in Timothy as well. But in Leviticus, how many of you have read, in, read through Leviticus of late? Anyone? No one. All right. Well, this morning we're going to do it. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 32 says, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord, it says. So this is something that comes from the very midst of the laws given, but the principle is this, and it is repeated in the Old Testament. Oh, in the New Testament, rather. So the value of rec recognizing older people is something that's not just a cultural thing. And I know in many cultures it's beautifully celebrated. But it's one of the things that is becoming less and less prominent in our society. God says you need to honor the elderly and give recognition to them by the way that you treat them, by the way that you make space for them. Just yesterday there was this massive um, car auction in South Africa. A man who died just about a year ago in South Africa is one of the biggest car collectors in the world. Antique cars and classical cars. And yesterday, hundreds of his top cars were sold because he passed away a year ago. They reckon that each of those cars would have easily reached a million rand. Each car. I mean, talking about 1969 Chevrolet this and a this and a that and a whatever else. The sad thing is that the older stuff gets, the more value we put on them. Have you noticed that? Old antique furniture. Oh, man, pewter stuff. I'll pay whatever I need to for it. 
old houses. Oh, beautiful. Oh, this is a beautiful thing. Old cars. Old people. Come on. How much value do we put on them? The Word of God clearly says that we've got to value them. You've got to value them not for what they've done or not done. You've got to value them. And so it's, it's just stuff, little things, little things that help community become the godly community that it needs to be. Community is not the, the great program and the, and the stuff that we do together. It's attitude towards one another. That's what builds community. That's what makes King City Church to be what God wants it to be. It's not how we do our Sundays and how many programs we have during the week. It is the way we look at one another and honor the elderly amongst us. Because God says it needs to be done. And whatever God says is good for me. Amen? We hasten on. We look at how we can honor the not so important. How many of you know that in, in every society there, they're not so important? Come on. Hey? And number seven, it's talking about this. In 1 Corinthians, and, and Paul is here talking about just the beautiful thing of the gifts in us um, and through us and, and how we value what God can do through people. But in the midst of that, he says that there will be those that to us seem to be not so important. Listen to what he says in verse 21. He says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Say with me, indispensable. It's a big word. Indispensable. Indispensable, folks. It says, and of those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greatest, greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care. Say with me, same care. For one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now imagine just how many times when somebody is honored, some of us think, What about me? <laughs> some of you thought like that before? We get somebody up here and we give them a piece of just a slab of chocolate. It's like, man, you just did so well. Or you did nothing. We just want to honor you. Others like, we get that, that, that donkey feeling. You know the donkey feeling from Shrek? Oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. We're kind of like left out. And we feel jealous. I also want to be honored. But the Bible says when somebody is honored, all of us should do what? We should rejoice. Now, in any context and in every context, you will always find that those, there are people that feel that they're not so important. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have anything to give. And Come on, people think like that. Well, it's not true, but people think like that. And we think of others like that. I don't know. It's great to have them, but they're not so important. None of you think like that? The Bible says that it is part of our thinking. And what the Bible says, we, those we should honor are those that feel that they're not so important. So we look out for one another and we consider everyone. 
So there's not a really that's not more important than the other. Second last one is church leaders. <laughs> this is a nice one. Church leaders, and you think, oh, it's because you're standing up here. No, you want to talk about it, eh? Let's just make it very clear. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about the principle. All right? You with me? 1 Thessalonians 5. We just got two more. Church leaders and then one more. It says here in verse 12, 1 Thessalonians 5, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. They're talking about spiritual leadership. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And then it says, be at peace among yourself. It's a very interesting one. And please give me a little bit of extra time this morning. Because I want to just kind of drum this in for us. That there's honor that's required. And I'm not asking this because I'm a spiritual leader. I want to help you. Because if I am called to do it, none of us are above anybody. I have spiritual leaders and voices in my life that I have to honor. That I want to honor. And at times it's difficult. Because they don't always agree with me. <laughs> I don't always agree with them. But I love the principle that it brings protection in my life. There's this story in Genesis 9. It was 18 to 25. You can go read it at your own time. It's the story of Noah. Noah had just come out of the ark and they've now resettled again. There were nobody else around. And Noah plants a vineyard. And, and what comes from a vineyard? Wine eventually, hey? Some of you, I thought some of you would say grapes because you're so innocent, but others went straight to wine. So I was hoping for grapes, but nevertheless, that's fine. We can live with that. <laughs> so yeah, eventually wine comes out of it, all right? And maybe he didn't know that wine would do this to him. Because I mean, it's like, hey, 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 hey. So Noah finds himself drunk and he's naked. And Noah is lying in his bed in his room. And his one son, Ham comes in and he sees his dad. He doesn't do anything to his dad. He goes and calls his brothers, Shem and Hapta, Yafit. Hey, 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 come and see dad. And those two come. And what they do is they cover their father's nakedness. And in that moment, they honor him. And so one that actually says they walk backwards into the room, covered dad's nakedness and walk out again unfortunately ham did the opposite he dishonors and he goes and tells what dad has done and what condition he is the two brothers come and they walk in backward can't look at our dad like this and now he's done the wrong thing but we want to honor him lay the cloth there and they walk out the day that came for noah to speak a blessing over his sons it says the following. I've got to read this to you. Genesis chapter 19. Chapter 9 rather. It says, When Noah woke from his wine and knew that his younger son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan. Who is Canaan? It was just Ham that came in. But he says, Cursed be Canaan. Canaan is the son of Ham. Saying, Cursed be Canaan, and this is what he will be. A servant of servants shall be to him, shall he be to his brothers. So when Ham exposed his father's Noah's state, Noah cursed the son of Ham, Canaan, 
Why did he know? That's the question that I would have asked. Why didn't Noah curse Ham instead of Ham's son? No one knew this, that as Ham had been to him, so Canaan would be to Ham. So, Ham, you were this to me. This is what Canaan will be to you. Because you dishonored me, so your son will dishonor you. That's an actually profound thing. Because he said Canaan will be a servant of servants. Because he couldn't honor an imperfect father or leader, he will continue to battle in life. And in this context, it will be that he will always be a slave. He'll be a servant of servants to his brothers. And so in that moment of dishonoring, there's a curse that came on Ham and on his family. That they remained slaves because of one moment of looking at somebody's weakness and dishonoring them. And I know this is not particularly leadership, but Noah was a leader because he's a father. And I want to bring it into the context of we are all imperfect human beings, isn't it? Anybody perfect here this morning? None? So if you were perfect and stand up, then that would have now then, you know, faltered it, unfortunately. He would have stood up in pride and said, I'm, I'm perfect. Look at me. No, none of us are perfect. But the Bible calls on us to honor those that are imperfect. And the reality is for, for Ham, it resulted in him being cursed. So your boss, your father, your mother, your spiritual leader, all imper imperfect people. You may not agree with everything they do or say, but we've got to honor them. And in this context, it seems like you can't advance in life unless you settle that attitude and remove a dishonoring thing and say, God, I've, I've been wrong. Please forgive me. I don't want to live with a dishonoring towards my spiritual leaders, even towards a father like we find there. To be successful in life, I want to suggest you need to be able to submit to leaders who are imperfect through honoring them. Don't go look for the perfect leader or context. Say, <laughs> so my boss this and, oh, he's not that. And You honor. You look at Joseph. You look at Daniel. Both those men were in context where it was not God honoring even. God wasn't even there in the lives of their leaders. But they submitted and they honored. How we relate to the imperfections, imperfections of our superiors does not only determine our own future, but it also determines the future of our children. Want to hear that again? How we relate to the imperfections of our superiors does not only determine our own future, but also the future of our children. And the last one, in case you thought that there are people that are exempt from having to be honoring them. I want to read to you 1 Peter 2, and it says this, that we need to honor everyone. <laughs> we haven't even touched on honoring your bosses and honoring the employees, honoring the government. We're just now going to basically include everybody. Because in 1 Peter chapter 2, And verse 17, it says the following. From verse 13, I'm going to read to you. And thank you very much for your patience this morning. 
1 Peter 2, from verse 13, it says, Now who is there? No, it's the wrong one. Sorry. Be subject to the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do, who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using fr your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Then it says this, honor everyone. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. God's call on us is very clear. It's to worship him and not men. I'm not calling on you to honor, to worship men or women. And unfortunately, that also happens. Where a man in Argentina would die at the age of 60, and people would almost go into a, almost stupor with all due respect, because Maradona has died. People had been worshiping him. Great soccer player. One of the best, they say, if not the best ever. But we're not allowed and supposed to worship man. We're supposed to honor he was a great player. Amazing man. We'll never, we'll never be able to truly communicate the gospel to people if we don't honor them. If we don't value people, not worship them, but value them, we'll never, never be able to communicate, truly communicate and effectively communicate the, word of, the, the heart of God to people if we don't honor them. And unfortunately, our tradition of dishonoring people is not from God. There's a lot of dishonoring taking place. You just, every little WhatsApp thing that is sent is almost entirely about dishonoring people. It's probably one of the most um, saddest times in, in the world is when the Americans have election. Because there's so much dishonoring taking place there. Because we want to honor ourselves. We're the Democrats. We want to honor ourselves. And so we dishonor the Republicans and vice versa. And across the world, we just join in the party. And we do the same. God says you've got to honor. Not agree. Not worship. But honor. The kingdom of God is a culture graced with honor and respect for the dignity of all people. And we find that this is what the Word of God is full of. And so I close. Honor people for who they are, not just for what they do or haven't done. Honor people for allowing God to work in them. Look at that and see how God is working in them. And honor them for it and say, I can see you're allowing God to work in you. Honor people for allowing God to work through them. See it. Notice it. Honor them. Honor people regardless of how small or big their contribution Honor people if they feel less important. Honor God and honor people and so build a culture of godliness among us. He calls us not to defend our own honor. Listen to this. God's calling us not to defend our own honor, but to defend the honor of somebody else. Yeah, that's a huge one. Because I'm so prone to defend my own honor, to stand up for myself. But I've got to stand up for you and you for me. Honor God and so bring the power of God into your life. Jesus 
it was said of him in Matthew 13, he could do no work in his hometown called Nazareth. Why? Because Jesus said a prophet is not honored in his own place. So what they said of Jesus is, you're just the son of Joseph. <laughs> Who are you? You want to come and tell us that, that you're the son of God now? And you know what it did? He could do no miracles in that place because there was a spirit of dishonor. And if we live amongst people and here in our community and this dishonor amongst us and we're praying saying, God, please, God says, well, you know, you're not doing the basic thing. When they didn't honor me, I could do nothing amongst them. And so you want to do, let me and ask me and, and cry out for, for help. And it says in Peter also that the husband who doesn't honor his wife, his prayers will not be answered. And so you're crying out to me, come Lord Jesus, come and invade our church and our community and our world and do things. And God says, but I can't because you're not dishonoring the people that I'm putting you amongst. It's huge. So I want to encourage you, we're going to prepare our hearts for, for communion. It's been longer. But I pray it's penetrated our hearts. Because community is what we're busy trusting God to fully take shape amongst us. And one of the ways in which community will be established is through honor. Is through the way we look at one another and we say, I'm not going to expect of you to honor me. I want to put value on you first and honor you. But it starts with the way we honor Christ for what he's done on the cross for us. And this morning, I want to ask you, please consider this incredible sacrifice on the cross through what Jesus did. And as you break bread, which speaks of his body, and as you drink of the cup, which speaks of his blood that flowed for us to cleanse us from our sins, you honor him. And can I ask, in the context of what we've spoken of this morning, that you say, Jesus, if there's any, any hint of a dishonoring in my heart towards you and towards everybody, there's no one excluded. There's no one excluded. If there's any hint of that in my life, I repent and I want to rectify. I want to correct it. I want to correct it not only just by praying it. I want to correct it by living it. And as you go home, that's where it starts. As you go to work, that's where it continues. As you live your life, that's where it's relative or rel relevant. rather. That's how we build community through honor.